Mike Young, stories that need to be told. It's early, 7.56. Uh, on a Wednesday morning, heading to the hospital to pick up my mom who had gallbladder surgery. Whoop, whoop! In Detroit, that's right, just like that, we're back, back in the D. Oh man, if it ain't one thing, it's another. Had to get a podcast out because I'm not in L.A. I'm not at the comedy store in the basement recording. I'm not sitting down there in a clean studio. I'm on my phone. I got no equipment. It's cold. It's 26 degrees. Driving to the hospital. Mom had gallbladder surgery. Everything was clean. Everything was clear. Been a rough year. Didn't mean to rhyme, but I did. How about that? Uh, Rough year. Rough year. Mom had a stroke. Eight months ago, nine months ago, was making a strong comeback from the stroke, getting better, getting better, all of a sudden, bam, needed a hip replacement surgery, 73 years old, hip replacement surgery, set her back another five months on the recovery, then recovering, 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 doing good on the cane, doing decent on the cane, actually, more on the walker, which I'm not happy about. You know, we got her We got her some help to come to the house every day. Great help. Woman's amazing. But I feel like together they're becoming best friends and they're not worried about working out and getting back in a walking shape. And so I'm in personal trainer mode. I flew in basically to be a personal trainer and get my mom back on her feet. But then while she was doing that, boom, here comes the... Uh, here comes a gallbladder issue. So basically, it's been the roughest year ever for my mom. And, you know, it makes you go, oh, man, you know, you start to think about your mortality. You start to think about life is short. You start to think about your parents. And, yo, listen up. If you're cool with your parents, spend some time with them if you can. Spend time. Shit don't always last forever. I lost my dad when I was 40, when he was, he was 47, my dad was 47 years old, shit came out of nowhere, alright, my dad, college athlete, ran 8 miles a day, in great shape, life of the party, best guy to be around, most fun person, you know what I mean, everybody dug hanging out with my dad. You know, had friends from all walks of life. Best friend was a doctor. Other friend was a gangster. Other friend was a lawyer. You know, other friend was an accountant. Just a guy who got along, who understood the game early. And out of nowhere, bam, pancreatic cancer showed up. When you get pancreatic cancer, it's over. It's a death sentence. Got the phone call. Dad's got pancreatic cancer. Didn't know what it was when I was 19 years old. His friend said he's got six months. I flew home from college, and three weeks later, that was it. So my point is, if you got people in your life that you do like hanging out with, that you do love, hang out with them. Tell them you love them. You don't know when the shit is over. And I'm saying all this in 24 degrees, driving to the hospital to pick up my mom because she's getting discharged from the gallbladder situation. Who the hell knew you didn't even need your gallbladder? What the fuck are all these organs doing in that we don't need? Why why am I rolling around here? Look at this guy talking on his phone.
I just honked at him for no reason. He has no idea why I honked at him. Didn't even affect him. Has no idea. I'm not even looking at him. All I'm doing is pointing, honking, and then go pointing to the left, even though he's to the right. He's still on the phone, texting like a jackass. Idiot. Anyway, I'm on the phone talking. Who's worse? But we're all just rolling around with a bunch of organs nobody needs. Here I am, gall gallbladder. What does it do? They should take out a lot of our organs just from the get-go. You're born, get rid of the gallbladder. You know what I mean? Get that appendix out of here. What's the appendix doing? What are you doing, appendix? What do you do? Except flare up at some point in everyone's life and you got to get it taken out in emergency surgery. You know what I mean? Even John Mayer got his shit out. Had dinner with Mayer the other night. Name drop, name drop, what you gonna do? Name drop, name drop, what you gonna do? I just name dropped. At the comedy store the other night. Had a late night set. Got a call from Saget. Saget wanted to get on stage. Called, said, yo, how's it looking? I talked to the guy at the door. He said, tell Saget to come in. He'll get right up on stage. Saget got up on stage. <sighs> I'm yawning, I'm yawning, that's what I'm doing. Saga got up on stage, did not have a good set at all, and he was bummed out about it, even though that's the grand beauty, grand irony of comedy. The guy's been doing comedy for 40-some years, has probably bombed 500 times like the rest of us, and still gets upset. But... I told him, I said, yo, you didn't bomb, bro. You went up there with no material. You just took a giant risk, and you cracked it open a little bit. Failure in comedy is a good thing. You know what I mean? You learn from it. You get back on your horse. As soon as you have a bomb shit set, you just want to get right back on stage and go at it. And that's what everybody does who, you know, who has a bad set. I've had bad sets. The funniest is you'll go to the comedy store. You will crush the original room, have a great set. Boom, go up to the belly room. 15 minutes later, bomb. You go to Hermosa, do a show. Ah, ah, I'm yawning, I'm yawning. It's tired, I'm yawning. You go to the, you go in the comedy store, or you go to Hermosa. You'll play that main room, greatest room ever. All people just ready to laugh. Crush it. Go down the hallway, right off the first stage, after just having the best set of your life. Go into the back room, do the next set, and fall flat and die on stage. It is a really weird thing. Rarely do you go back-to-back crushing-crushing. You know what I mean? Comedy will just equalize you. Because it, it's just everything matters. you got a tired crowd in the back. They haven't got their chicken tenders yet. God damn, this car is hot. You go back there, you know what I mean? In the first room, everybody's happy, got their drinks, got their food, everybody's thrilled, wop, 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 booty, woo, woo. And they're, you know, they're laughing their ass off. Fun, 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 great mood, great mood. And then you go in the other room and it's just like, where are my chicken tenders? Where's my filet? Where is my salmon and my broccoli? Yo! Miserable. Crowds make a difference, crowds make a difference. Although I feel like I heard Seinfeld say something about it's always your fault. Which it could be, because maybe you're not reading the crowd. If you got a tired crowd, address it. You know what I mean? Bring your energy level down a little bit. It's very scientific. 
this whole comedy thing. Very tough racket. Tough racket. Young kids out there, if you're thinking about being a comedian, don't. Kill your dream immediately. I'm just kidding. Stick with that dream if you have to do it. I wanted to be a comedian in fifth grade. I love making my classroom laugh. I love the sound of laughter. I love making my family laugh. I love the fun we had as a family of 15 little cousins running around just cracking each other up. Humor was part a huge part of my life. That's just what it was. Being funny was my life. I watched television. All in the family. Sanford and Son. Good times. Happy days. Laverne and Shirley. Mork and Mindy. You know what I mean? The shit I watched was always funny. I, all I wanted to do was comedy. Watched Richard Pryor. Watched Eddie Murphy. Imitated Richard Pryor. Imitated Eddie Murphy. Imitated Fred Sanford. Imitated Mork from Ork. Walking around class going, Nanu, Nanu. You just know very early on if this is something you're going to do. Of course, I was terrified, and I did not do comedy till I was 28 years old. Think about that. That's 10 years after Chappelle started. Chappelle is younger than me. Dave Chappelle is like a year younger than I am, or my age, and he's got 10, 12 years on me in stand-up. And uh, I'm chasing you, Dave. Hey, man. Is that Dave? Uh... Anyway, Saw Chappelle, by the way, loved Dave Chappelle. Opened for Chappelle 14 shows in San Francisco, Sacramento, maybe 12 years ago. And you know what's weird? Sometimes you, know, sometimes you think people that are famous won't remember you for some reason. Like fame erases your memory. Because I hadn't seen Dave for a long time, and we don't run into each other a lot. But then I saw him at the comedy store last week, and he was all love. Mike! Yo, what up, Mike? Gave me that real authentic love. And I learned so much from being on the road with Chappelle. I also learned a ton from being on the road with Rogan. But I remember being on the road with Chappelle, and he, everything he said to me was so, like on stage, was so damn genius and funny that I would constantly call back to Detroit and call my friends and be like, you got to hear what Chappelle said. You got to hear this joke by Chappelle. Yo, Chappelle just did this bit about having friends in the KKK who were racist. Like, his Chappelle show stuff was coming off of a lot of his stand-up stuff. And uh, that's where he was getting his material. But those experiences I will never forget. And I consider myself extremely lucky. Very grateful. Thinking about that yesterday. Be grateful. If you're just every... Just be grateful. I'm grateful. Dave Chappelle took me on the road. Dave Attell took me on the road, boom, Dave Chappelle and myself, I mean, Dave, Dave Attell and I, Sacramento, met two chicks 13 years ago, ended up in a neighborhood in Sacramento, both trying to get laid in a house somewhere, I might have, I don't remember if he did or not, but I came down the stairs and Attell was, he was sleeping in a futon that was in a wicker basket, I was like, let's go, Dave, we gotta go, we gotta go. Dave, Attell, and I, just me and Attell, walking through the streets of Sacramento late night. No, there was no Uber. No, hell no. You had to survive out there in the streets. Survival. If you're out there trying to get laid in the middle of the night and you get thrown out of a house, guess what? You're walking. You don't know where the Sacramento cab company's coming from. Sacramento yellow cab. We didn't have it. No, me and Attell kept walking till we saw a street light. We found our way back. 
to that little Candlewood Suites over by the Sacramento Improv or Punchline. It was the Punchline, Sacramento Punchline. But that's what we were doing. Yeah, I got I got deep roots. Deep historical comedy, go get some pussy roots. We did it all on the road. You want stories that need to be told? Mike Young, David Tell walking through the streets of Sacramento, lost. 4.30 in the morning, dark. Where are we, Dave? You've been out on the road way more than I have. I'm just now getting out on the road. I don't know much about this place. I don't like Sacramento. But I'll tell you what else Attell taught me. Discipline, writing, discipline. I used to say to Attell, yo, I'd wake up casually, get a workout in, get some food, call Dave. Dave, you want to go see a movie? Nope. No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't see movies on the road. What's up? You don't. What do you, what do, you do all day, Dave? I write, and that's exactly what he said. I write. I sit in the hotel room and I write. Now, was Dave much less healthy than me back then? Yes. Was he coughing on stage, asking for more coffee? Yes. Did he go through a phase where he needed to bring a jump rope on on tour so he could try to stay in shape? Yes. However, he also made millions of dollars before I did and I still have not by the way I don't mean like I'm making millions now what I mean is David Tell was extremely successful in a in a because of his discipline and talent and it took a while for me to to even come near any kind of discipline like that cuz believe it or not you want to be great discipline 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 what discipline 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 what discipline what I kind of like these early morning podcasts where I'm out of my mind and sort of don't even know what I'm saying. But Attell would write all day, and you knew he was writing all day because he would come out with he come out with ten new jokes a night. He was a joke machine, machine. I admire it. I envy it. To this day, I envy it. Now every day I'm writing, but uh, most of the time I'm writing for a movie job or for like right now I'm doing a movie. That's what I'm writing. So I have not put my writing efforts into stand-up the way I should. I'm trying to get my brain to be stronger. I don't have that strong of a brain, yo. You know what I mean? I got a, I got a good brain, but it needs more discipline, more discipline. And I'm in my 40s. It ain't easy to, to re-carve out those neurotransmitters. There's neuropathways that, that take discipline in your brain. How long have I been talking? It's only 14 minutes. Anyway, 14 minutes. I'm about 7 minutes, 10 minutes away from the hospital. going to scoop up my mom. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got to get that discipline. So what I'll do is I will write my movie for two hours. Well, the stupid-ass traffic. I'll write my movie for two hours, and then I will start, I will get on my comedy for two hours. So that's four hours of writing discipline. That's what I'll do. Okay, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna ride if I do. I really want to know where all these cars are. Right now, I'm driving and I'm cutting through Birmingham, Michigan. Birmingham, Michigan is where rich bitches live. Just a bunch of rich people, white with purple shirts, buttoned up. You know what I mean? I used to try to get laid by girls over here. They were always pretty with parents that hated Jews. It's just the way it went down. Now there's a lot of Jewish people living here. We're all friendly again. But I remember going into a girl's house. Her dad made a couple comments about a Jew. And all of a sudden you look up. There's a deer head on his wall. There's a bear head on his wall. There's a rug made out of a bear. You know what I mean? Just a bunch of dead animals in there. You know what I mean? And I just... 
He felt like the guy wanted to hang a Nazi a Nazi shirt up if he could. That's when I used to be like, yeah, I'm going to sleep with your daughter. Uh-huh, I'm doing this for my people. That's what I'm doing. I get laid for the, for, for the people. Speaking of getting laid, we are in a very weird time right now. Very interesting time. Very, very interesting. It's this hashtag me too time. What do I have to say about it? I don't know what I have to say. I haven't been... I haven't really formatted, formed exactly how I think because, like Chappelle says, I'm not rapey. I've been, I got game. I'm not rapey. I've been getting with girls my whole life. I love women. I love women. I love people. Women are people too. Okay? I've never been a gropey person. Maybe in seventh grade, I groped a few times, grabbed a few breasts, you know what I mean, that weren't, you know what I mean, that, that no one saw coming. I was quick handed. You know what I mean? Maybe I pulled an Aziz Ansari. I pulled an Aziz I'm sorry. That's the new name. Aziz, I'm sorry. Aziz, I'm sorry. I might have pulled a few Aziz moves. You know what I mean? That's what you do when you're a kid. You know, the problem with Aziz is he was doing it as a as a grown man. But that's just because he doesn't have game. He's not a rapist. Aziz, you know, don't don't ruin the guy's career. I don't even like Aziz. I still don't want the guy's career ruined. You don't ruin a man's career because he's got no game with women. You know what I mean? Do you know how many careers will be ruined in the world? There'd be no science. There'd be no pilots. There'd be no air airplanes. Not everybody has game. You know what I mean? So, fellas, here's a little tip. Give it your best shot with a girl, right? If she says no, followed by a tee-hee-hee, you give that another shot. 10 minutes later, okay, throw a hand on a leg, nothing crazy, hand, leg, hold it there for a sec, see what happens, if she goes, no, <laughs> you give it one more shot, that's it, when a girl says no and followed by a laugh, that's called a light teasing no, okay, a lot of times, many times, with me, I'm not kidding, Seven out of ten times, a light teasing no turns into a hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, uh, hell yeah. Uh-huh, that's right. If I'm making out with you and you're rubbing my thigh and I'm rubbing your thigh and you say no with a tee-hee-hee, I'm coming back at you because this is what the game is. It's fun. We're playful. I'm coming back at you. But if you're adamant, I said no. Boom. Then it's over. I don't touch you again. And guess what? I don't touch you again. I guarantee we start making out. I throw that slow move. That slow move. That real, real, real slow move at you. You're coming back. And now you're now you're groping me. What? Now you're groping me. Gropey mon gropster. Yeah. Grope it out, girl. So that's that. I think Aziz just didn't have any game. That's all. And Louis C.K., yo, Louis C.K.'s got no game either. But you don't ruin his career. What did he? He doesn't. Here's every situation is different. Louis C.K. is not fucking Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein, you're a fat pig rapist, bro. You're a scumbag. Do that to my sister, which I don't have, or do that to one of my cousins, which I do have. And guess what we do? We come in with the Detroit gangsters. We come to your office, bro. We come in your office and we go, guess what? I know you said you'd give her a part in the movie. Ha! 
Now you're giving her part in the movie, and we're also producing your movie. That's what I don't get. Where were these girls' families? Where were their friends? You know what I mean? Go home. Tell an older brother. Hollywood ain't shit. It ain't no big deal. This this is just a business. It's like a fucking plumber doing something bad to you. You know, people get caught up in Hollywood and they start tripping out. And they're like, this is the most important business in the world. If I don't get... No, it isn't. It's just another business. Hollywood's... The, uh, and actually, it's a small business. You know what's bigger than Hollywood? The auto business. Coca-Cola's business. Okay? The diamond business. The garment business. The shoe business. Stop acting like Hollywood's, you know, so above everything else that you could just get away with shit. Okay? There's no such thing. It's an illusion. Powerful men. There is no fucking powerful men. You know who's a powerful man? A motherfucking assassin. He's powerful because he don't care. Okay? Harvey Weinstein, you're not a pow- he's not powerful because he ran a company that made movies that told stories. You think that's powerful? You ever heard of the head of the mafia? Okay, back in 1975, Detroit, the heads of the mob, that was powerful. Those were powerful people. They make you disappear. They make your business go away with a phone call. Okay? Harvey Weinstein, Brett Ratner, powerful. I almost smacked the shit out of Brett Ratner 15 years ago. When I first came to L.A., me and my girl were sitting at Jerry's Deli. That's right, having some chicken noodle soup. I love soup. You love soup. I love soup. You love soup. Yeah, we were having chicken noodle soup. That's right, late night, 1.30 in the morning. My homie Elmo, shout out to my boy Elmo, who was an artist at the time. Turned executive, didn't want to live the art life, but had a good good career going for a minute. Elmo and I were hanging out. Anyway, me and my girl, my girl sitting right next to me. Shout out to my ex. Sorry for everything. Sorry for everything. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry to all my exes for everything. Not a good boyfriend here. Not a good boyfriend. We're sitting there in Jerry's Deli. Who sits down because he knows my boy from Miami? Boom, Brett Ratner. Guy's making videos, music videos. Going to be a big-time movie director. Sitting right across from me. I already got a chip on my shoulder because I'm from Southfield, Michigan. Yeah, I had a lot of scrappy fist fights as a kid. I had a bad attitude. I was mad at the world for a long time. All right? My karma was bad. I was doing bad things for a long time. I'm not a, I am I wasn't Mr. Nice Guy like I am today, even though I don't sound like it. He starts hitting on my girl right in front of my face. Not even looking at me, not even talking to me. Yeah, you did, bro. Sat right across from me, talked to my girl. Uh-huh, where are you from? What do you do? What do you want to do? You're so pretty. Oh, my God, are you beautiful. I said, hey, bro, I'm going to smack the shit out of you over some chicken noodle soup. No, no, bro, what are you talking about? I'm just talking to you. Yeah, yeah, bro. That's how I am. I go right to the physical because I'm stupid. Right to the physical. Right to the physical. I don't do it anymore because shit doesn't work out like that. Last time I went physical, it got bad. You've heard the story on my podcast before. The last time I got physical, I beat up the wrong person. I beat up a dangerous person. I beat up somebody that didn't want to get beat up. I beat up somebody very badly. He got a ruptured eardrum. I got walked into a sit-down dungeon with two 9 millimeters. That's what happens. 
I don't fight anymore unless it's absolutely necessary. Unless you mess with my family or my friends right in front of my face. I don't get involved in stranger disputes. Alright? However, I still think a good smack once in a while is okay. So yeah, did I smack Brett Ratner? No. Did I want to? Yeah. Did I know right then and there this dude has got a problem? He's, he's got a problem. He's got a problem. Something's wrong in his brain. He doesn't know how to act around women. You know what I mean? He probably has just a little dick and never got laid and doesn't know how to use it. So to wake up his little dick, he has to be gropey, rapey, say mean shit and get some power. I don't even know where my shit got cut off. But I was talking about Louis C.K. He does not deserve to have his career ruined over these girls whose careers never were. Okay, ladies? Maybe Louis got you a day job. He let you know comedy wasn't truly for you. Okay? The poor guy's got a sickness. He's getting it taken care of, and I'll talk about it when he gets back on stage. Anyway, listen, I'll come back with another podcast. I'm pulling up to the hospital to pick up my mom right now. Okay? So let me go inside and see what's going on. Mike Young stories that need to be told. Oh, here's my mom right now. She's wheeling herself out. Boom, on the walker. Let me check this out. Hold on. Uh, yo, peace. Love you. It's Wednesday. Let me go help my mom. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Mike Young, stories that need to be told. Find me at the real Mike Young on Instagram. Peace.